This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into From the Braves booth. It's great to have you with us. This would be season one, episode two of our podcast, alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick, who's also part of this show. Ben Ingram here with you. And as we get ready for tonight's ball game, Braves are taking on the Red Sox tonight, starting up a homestand. It's a beautiful afternoon here in Atlanta and looking forward to seeing so many, uh, so many of you over the course of this upcoming homestand. And Joe, like we did last week, I know we're going to get into our mailbag at our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com, but i uh, love to go back over the last road trip for the Braves and maybe preview the upcoming homestand for Atlanta and good news is the last time they were in town they were playing a pretty good brand of baseball unfortunately that went away for the most part on the road trip well it did after that first game in Philadelphia that's for sure Ben things uh, went a little sour in a lot of different directions if you want to point fingers at different stages or different phases of the game for the Braves because they went on a four-game losing streak now having said that those three of the four games were one-run losses. They were close games. Some they had leads in late. One, they had a two-run lead in the 10th inning and couldn't hold on to it. So um, they're tough losses. They were very tough to swallow. Let's hope this week is a little better for the Braves coming off a win in Miami to end the road trip. Yeah, it was good to at least finish on a high note. You go back to that series in Philadelphia and games two and three, you and I were talking about if you get just one of those games, I mean, both of those were just really awful losses. But you can really soften the blow of one of them if you win one of those other ball games and uh, seeing the walk-off in game two and then scoring the runs in the top of the 10th inning in game three only to give them up, didn't even get an out. Right. Uh, I think it would be easy to say that that might be the lowest point of the season up until now. Can we hope hope that that's the case? Only up from here, right? Right. Uh, No, that first one uh, on the walk-off, the walk-off homer was preceded by a walk. You know, and then, uh, you know, if uh, somebody hits a homer that you like JT Real Muto, Reese Hoskins, somebody like that hits a homer, you kind of go, well, made a bad pitch to a good hitter. Right. This is a guy who hit his first big league homer. He's only in his second or third big league game. And not to take anything away from uh, Luke Williams, but uh, doggone it, when you lose to someone like that, you really do stop and think about how in the world did this just happen? Really continue to string a tough losses there at Citizens Bank Park. I know you and I were talking about it at the beginning of that series and the last time the Braves were there. Braves have had some tough luck there at Citizens Bank Park. It's been a while since they've been consistently good in Philly. Well, let's just suffice to say it's not the first walk-off 
base hit or home. No, I'm going to say walk-off homer hit against the Braves uh, at that ballpark. Uh, I remember some frustration on the parts of uh, coaches and managers before right. calling it a band box and how the ball flies out of there. It's very difficult to pitch at Citizens Bank Park, especially in a close game late. Yeah, it really is. And Braves wrapped up that trip, went down to Miami, hoping to take two of three. They had not they had not lost a series in Miami since 2017. Just shows you how good they've been anytime they've gone to Miami. It's almost been like Truist Park South for the last few seasons when they've gone there. So to see them lose one ball game, we've seen that. To see them lose the series, even with the struggles that the Braves have had, I was still surprised at that. Well, it was very difficult to take. Uh, not so much that Alcantara pitched a good game against them in game one because he is uh, in top 10 in the league, in my opinion, in, in stuff. Uh, to lose it to a guy who is basically an opener, he was a guy who had been pitching in the bullpen and Jacksonville uh, made his second start in this capacity. Um, and and really, Thompson had had some pretty good stuff. Right. But you expect a two-inning outing or something. He goes five and gets the win. That's the one that was hard to swallow. Yeah, it really was. Because you go out there against Zach Thompson. You got Max Freed on the mound. You'd view him as your best pitcher right now. And six innings, three runs by Max, not bad. But and I don't, I don't think we expected five innings, three hits, no runs, no walks from Zach Thompson. You'd have thought it was Sandy Alcantara part two. And when it comes to the Marlins, they made great strides last year. They took advantage of a 60-game schedule. They got to the postseason. That's a team that when you catch them, if you get the right pitchers, they can be as tough as anybody else in this division. No doubt about it. Uh, they are. They fit in real nice in the National League East with their starting pitching. Uh, I thought what they did last year by getting to the postseason, they had added a bunch of veteran players. Uh, Marte in the middle of the season, Aguilar, uh, et cetera, et cetera instead of trying to go with just prospects. When they brought in those veteran players, they started playing better, and it continued into this season. And even though they were missing Anderson, um, they were missing uh, Rojas, they were missing some key starters for them, they're still playing well because of that pitching. Yeah, they have been. They've been very tough, and now the Braves turn the page and take on the Red Sox and the Cardinals this upcoming homestand. Going back to that final game Sunday, and this is nothing against these guys who are in the lineup, but when we were getting ready for the season at spring training i don't think we ever envisioned even one game where it would go heredia inciarte almonte left to right in the outfield uh eddie adrianza got a start at shortstop as dansby swanson got the start off came in later in the ball game but it, there's been a consistent theme here of uh, outfielders getting banged up outfielders being injured ronald acuna had to leave that ball game it was precautionary but it seems like the second they get their a outfield out there something comes up where you're down a man or two that's been a consistent theme through now 63 games of the season uh, it has and and it's very frustrating but uh, you're not going to hear anybody feeling sorry for the Atlanta Braves because it's it's league wide it's right. MLB wide uh, with teams really having to play shorthanded with so many different injuries what's the reason for it I have no idea is it too much weightlifting I don't know you know they've got uh, a jillion conditioning and, and health experts down there in the clubhouse for uh, getting everybody in their top shape and uh, being in top condition. So I don't know what the reason is. Maybe it's too much. I, I can't put my finger on it, but just suffice to say that the Braves are one of many teams that are missing a lot of key components. And for Atlanta, uh, one of the strengths of the ball club is going to be the outfield. So when you lose guys out there, it really hurts. Now you turn the page. You had an off day yesterday, and the Braves have two straight weeks now 
now with a game or two games, uh, considering uh, next Monday, every single day. So hoping to get a good stretch going here as you lead right up to the All-Star break. That's sneaking up quickly because we're a month from the All-Star break, less than a month from the All-Star break. We're here in mid-June. you got the Red Sox in town for two starting tonight uh, and then tomorrow. Then the Cardinals come to town, and that's a tough bunch. And we were talking at the end of May about how challenging this month of June is. You can make the case for this being the toughest month schedule-wise the entire season. Well, I I agree. I I think it is. And this stretch right here is, well, you better uh, strap it on tight because uh, these guys can play that are coming to town tonight and throughout this weekend, this coming weekend. Uh, You mentioned uh, All-Star break a month away. That means the trade deadline is six weeks away. Right. So you got to be thinking ahead if you're Alex Anthopoulos and his staff about how this team looks right now, how it's playing, what do you need, what does the team need to uh, plug some holes or to add to what they already have. We've been wondering for 63 games, when will they pull out of this and start playing winning baseball? The timetable you just set up coming up in the All-Star break in less than a month, trade deadline two weeks after that, that really, that really tightens the window for you to really figure out what you are because if nothing changes here in the next couple of weeks, then the other 29 teams in Major League Baseball are going to view the Braves as a team that will probably be selling. They'll be asking about certain relievers. They might be asking about a bench piece here or there. That doesn't mean that the Braves uh, are, are 100% going to be that, but I think you're, as it stands now, you've kind of just spun, in, just spun your wheels for 63 or so games. And, well, that's exactly right. And, and you need, you've got a two, three week window where if things don't turn around, it's going to be hard to view the team is something other than uh, a team that'll be looking to, to trade some pieces away. I don't know when the last time was the Braves were in that spot. Right, you know, it, it's been four or five years, so uh, that's kind of a, a tough pill to swallow too, because of how close you were to the World Series a year ago, and for the team to be really scuffling right now, uh, missing like I like we just talked about some key components. Uh, that's part of it, but there's some guys also underachieving. Uh, hard to say that, but that's truth of the matter. Right. And uh, what will be interesting to see, uh, at least from the well, actually, I guess you'd talk about it from the pitching and hitting standpoint. But this new mandate that's handed down today regarding uh, substance use by pitchers, tackiness, etc. You know, is that going to help the offense? Is that going to hurt the pitching? Right. Uh, we're about to find out. Yeah, we are. And I want to come back to that because there's a few questions I have about that. I want to ask you about one more player that we've seen three times. We'll see him tonight. Tucker Davidson goes tonight and while we've not seen him just cruise right on through a lineup we've seen him manage uh, some troubling innings pretty well I think for a guy who is as as inexperienced as he is I've enjoyed watching him again we'll see him tonight Uh, what's your view of Tucker Davidson as we've seen him a few times I like him a lot and I really appreciate him what was he a 19th round draft pick or something out of a junior college I love guys like that who surprise people who have it in them to um, accomplish their goals which for him and anybody else that plays professional baseball is to play in the major leagues. He's pitching well. You know, no fanfare, no buildup, no giant prospect list. He's just pitching well, and I, I love that about him. He should have had a win his last time out uh, on the road trip, and it got coughed up at the end, unfortunately. But he's pitching really good baseball. He's got a good slider, and uh, he'll be tested tonight against the Red Sox, certainly, but he's been tested already, and he's still hanging in there. Pretty sure that the team has a good scouting report for the Red Sox. Last night, my girlfriend asked me, do, do you have to – 
prep for this Red Sox series coming up? I said, not really. We saw him nine times at spring training. Right. We just saw him two weeks ago. Right. And for an interleague matchup, I, I feel like they're almost part of our division. We've seen Boston so many times. No doubt. Which girlfriend? <laughs> the main one. You know, <laughs> the, the main one. <laughs> I thought I'd catch you off guard. Okay. Uh, no, we know everything there is to know about the Red Sox right now. We may not know who's hot and who's not at this very moment, but we know that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching tonight. He's got really good stuff. He's off to a bit of a slow start because he opted out with a heart condition last year. Can't blame him for that in the, in the heat of the COVID issue. So he's back this year. He's had a little slow start, but he's got good stuff. He'll be a very tough opponent for the Braves, but they've got an excellent lineup. I was just looking at some comparables between the Braves and the Red Sox, and with the exception of home runs, where the Braves have more homers, the Red Sox are just a few notches above the Braves in uh, on-base percentage, slugging, etc., and they're certainly playing better baseball record-wise. They're 20-10 on the road, by the way. Yeah, they're tough, and they've been tough ever since we saw them for the first game at spring training. They're putting up big-time numbers and hitting uh, lots of home runs down at spring training even. So that's a look back at the last uh, road trip and the upcoming homestand for the Braves. Again, we hope to see you here at the ballpark at some point over the course of the homestand as it'll be the Red Sox and the Cardinals coming to town. We're going to get JC in on this next conversation because I want to turn our attention to what's come up around Major League Baseball here over the last uh, three, four days. And it's something that you referenced a little while ago about Major League Baseball deciding that they want to crack down on the uh, the substances that the pitchers are using for extra grip and such and uh, finding out how they want to deal with that. We know that come next week, they will start regulating these things. They've put uh, penalties in place for guys who do get caught. And I think there are lots of questions uh, about where we stand on this. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the game from here on out because here in the last week or so we've already seen spin rates drop drastically offensive numbers have gone up and it really is an interesting uh, crossroads for our game when it comes to how the pitchers are, are going about getting ready for a game and what they do from here on out well i saw some numbers on that today earlier also with regard to uh the rates down averages up it's it's not much I mean, the averages and everything they're moving uh slightly upward a little tick upward but to me until this mandate takes effect next Monday and why there's a week delay, I'll never know. But right now, I think the pitchers are still still using it. I, right. think, I think until they're told they have to stop, I think they'll continue to use it in hopes of winning, winning games, getting hitters out. So while the ticks have been down on spin, averages up, it isn't much, and it won't be until Monday, in my opinion. What do you think, JC? Because while you're not on the air with us, you, you're obviously an observer and a big fan of the game. What's your take on this? I'm just curious why MLB is deciding right now, now's the time to, to crack down. It's been going on for decades in the game, so why now? Yeah, that is a good question. It's it's rare that we see mid-season crackdowns in our game. I feel like there's always something that we address in the offseason. Moving forward, here will be the penalties for this and that and whatever. I can't remember the last time we had a, an in-season crackdown on something, but it, it brings us back to J.C.'s point. Why did this moment become the time? Is it because all the offensive numbers are so low? Yeah, I think because hitting is at a – all-time low or at least the lowest since 1968 when they lowered the mound and made all those drastic moves after the season uh the only thing i can figure out right now about why in season is because they're using different stuff right you know jonathan's right in the past decades ago um it was more about uh moisture 
you know, it was about spitballs or it was about a, you know, a jelly ball of some kind. And uh, those types of things weren't increasing spin rate. They were making it die. Right. They were making it sink. So now all of a sudden they're saying that the new substances that are being used are helping increase uh, spin rate, velocity, sharper curves, all that stuff. That's why I guess they had felt like they needed to do something now. Yeah, because pitchers doctoring baseballs is nothing new in the game. I mean, you could go all the way back into the 1800s and find guys looking for ways to do things to the ball to make it do different things so it would not get hit. But the technology of this is so much more advanced. When we're talking about some of these substances that have been used in order to get greater spin rate and get greater results, uh, that's it's almost like you're going beyond the game in order to find a way to to do what you want to do on the mound. You know... Chemistry is a good word applied here. And think about during the steroid era. Uh, It's tough to make any correlation between the two, but the chemists were working really hard to figure out a way to mask steroids. Right. There was always something new and different to try to hide the fact that the players were using it. Well, in, in a sense, the chemistry now for this, uh, for the use of the, the tackiness on the, on the baseball, it, it's exceeded expectations by you know ridiculous standards so um how do you control that well you just have to ban it all together yeah that's a good point do you view these pitchers from this era now any differently jc maybe maybe it's kind of early to to tell perhaps well it seems like most of the guys have been doing it uh i don't know i mean the stuff that's been reported there's a lot of big name power pitchers who have won Cy Young awards who have been a part of this right you know the interesting thing if you're if you're trying to compare the steroid era to this and maybe that's apples to oranges i don't know but maybe the thing that uh, that alarmed us the most about the steroid era was big time records were falling hallowed records of the game were falling I don't think we've seen that with pitchers yet. It's not like we've seen a guy go in six straight Cy Young Awards or go in 30 games in a season or break a record. But would that be the next step if this was not regulated? What we have seen is pitchers who have been mentioned on 300-plus million-dollar contracts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It has certainly enhanced their value with the way they've pitched. If the records have not been established or broken in the pitching ranks, they're being broken in the hitting side Right. in terms of uh, uh, ineptness and how low the averages are and how uh, in a, I think in uh, uh, along with shifts and everything else to prevent hits, that's all added up. To me, I, I don't want the guys using some miracle drug on the baseball to make it do tricky things. Right. Ban the shift. Mm-hmm. Ban the sh- you really want to help offenses ban the shift yeah, there's that's, lots of things where, that's where I am yeah it is interesting I um you know thinking back on what we've seen and what this really means I, I tried to take a, a 10,000 foot approach on this and I don't want to go over the top with my reaction I don't want all the matter just knee-jerk reaction say I'm appalled at these pitchers because pitchers have been doing these things for years and if you really take a, a look at the entire landscape of the game the game is filled with guys trying to take advantages trying to do this that or the other to make themselves better and it's up to the game itself uh, the powers that be to regulate those things uh, maybe in the grand scheme of things they were able to get to this quicker than I mean the steroid era went on 
for a long time before they really got a handle on that. Right. So maybe baseball's done a good job in, in getting to the point of this quicker than maybe they've gotten other issues in the past. Well, here's another part of this that I'll be interested to see how the umpires handle it. They are now entrusted to be more policemen again on something that they can have some control over it. How many umpires are going to want to check uh, a pitcher two or three times a game? You know, come here, let me see your hat. Let me see your hands. Let me see your glove. And if it's between innings, that's one thing. If they decide to have a mid-inning check on some guy, how much time are we adding to the games? How much time are we going to be sitting here waiting for something to not happen. Yeah, they run the forensics on a hat or a belt yeah, or whatever. Yeah, we've already got replay. That slows things down and interrupts play. This, to me, I'm fearful, is going to do the same in some way. I think the thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around the most is the fact that if someone is popped, and it'll probably happen, that player suspended for 10 games, but they still get paid. Right. And not only that... But their team is not allowed to replace them on the active roster. So essentially, the team's playing a man down for 10 days, which could greatly affect your bullpen. Um, I, I just can't wrap my, my head, I guess, around the fact that these guys are going to continue to get paid, but they're punishing their team by forcing them to play a, a man down. That had to be a trade-off, Jonathan. That had to be a trade-off with the Players Association. Who, who had to be in on this right. and agree to it. Uh, and in order to get their approval, perhaps they say, yeah, okay, well, you can su- suspend our guys, but they're going to get paid. And that, that to me, is not a big enough deterrent. You, you talk, start taking 10 days worth of pay away from these guys, yeah. they're going to start adhering to the rules a little better. So I thought that was a misstep on this ruling. And uh, the, having to play a man short, that's very... Uh, that's a harsh punishment for the team, but the other, but the guy who got caught's going on a ten-day vacation with pay. I wonder how much of this leniency towards that is knowing that the upcoming CBA is on the way, and maybe catering to the players, making sure that we don't have a work stoppage. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of different things that go into this that could be determining factors for this decision or that decision or a punishment or a lack thereof. I think there's lots of irons on the fire when it comes to the decisions to be made on this. So, uh, Like you guys, I'll be ready to get to next week and seeing how this affects the game, how it affects the numbers, how it affects the the, the pace of play. Uh, How long are we sitting tight to examine a hat or whatever it might be? Why are we waiting a week Let's you go know tonight. if you're if you're handing this down this mandate down and i hate to even use the word mandate because it sounds like manfred and i don't even like going there but um start now mm-hmm. why don't you start why don't you hand it down sunday night and start the rule yesterday on on a monday right i, I don't understand why you're making a big announcement and then saying and you better watch out because in a week we're really going to crack down on you. That could have also been determined by the players. It could be. What will be kind of interesting to me, uh, watching guys that we know to watch, and there are some that wear a uniform that we're very familiar with, right. that we know are doing something, it's because it's so obvious and they're so blatant, is how uh, uh, they're so accustomed to going someplace you know, to get their stuff, whether it's the hat or the belt or the glove or whatever, that's a, that's a habit they have. 
Right. So we'll be watching to see if those habits are hard to break. That's a really good one. So here we go into a brand new uh, uh, a brand new era, perhaps, to see how they want to regulate this and, and move on from there. All right, we've got lots of questions. And first off, thanks so much for all the people who, number one, are tuning in and uh, also taking the time to send us an email and uh, shoot us some questions, really good questions that we'll get to this week. Again, you can shoot us a question, bravesbooth at gmail.com. I had somebody asked me, can it only be team-related? And I said, no, you can fire no, with anything. anything you want. Yeah. Um, it, it really doesn't matter to us. We'll, we'll touch on anything you want to get into. So we will start with uh, Griffin from St. Petersburg, Florida. And his question is, how long does it take to get used to having to announce the station identification at the top of each hour? It never occurred to me that this would be something that people would think about. Uh, I assume JChat alerts you each time when it needs to be announced so that you don't forget. If I was working that job, I'd be looking at the clock nonstop to ensure I didn't miss uh, the announcement at every hour. So, uh, Griffin, what we have here, we have a a small little light, just a remote control light that, JC, you have a remote control of on the other end of the booth, correct? Right. So when we get to the top of each hour, it, what's the window? About seven minutes? Five to six, I would say. But I'll tell you exactly what I do. So as Ben pointed out, I have a remote control that turns a light on. It sits between Ben and Joe. They know when they see that light, when it's turned on, it should trigger in their mind, okay, at some point soon, I need to mix in a, uh, a top of the hour ID. So you said you would constantly you would constantly be looking at the clock to ensure that you didn't miss it well guess what that's exactly what i do uh i have a clock that sits back by me and he doesn't miss them either and i'll watch it and when i get to 57 uh of each hour i'll turn that light on and that light will stay on until it's called for and once it's called for i turn it off now we're looking for a foul ball or some natural stop in the action where we can take 10 right. seconds but we have to do that top of every hour every single hour so that's a really good question got one here from jennifer i love the miami theme day in the booth this past weekend jennifer we referred to it as miami vice of course <laughs> how often do you guys do theme days and when is the next one well we've had miami vice we had a cowboy day last year and we had uh, Memorial Day where we were all dressed in red, white, and blue shirts and decked out and everything. I'm not sure what's coming up next. What You guys got any thoughts on our next theme day? Well, we kind of threw some ideas out there. We knew, here, let's get to one part of your question. When, when, do they, when do we do them? We just kind of do them when we see fit. Very random. We need to shake it up. We think, okay, maybe the team's dropped a few games or we just want to do something different. We say, how about a theme day tomorrow? And we just come up with whatever that might be. That's exactly what happened last Friday night. The team was on the road in Miami. We were walking out of the ballpark to get in our cars to go home. And I think I looked at the guys and said, hey, you guys want to do a theme day tomorrow? Yeah. It's almost like our own little Halloween. Everybody wear white. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A white out. I thought about a camo day. Yeah. Uh, we, we got lots of ideas. How about this? If you guys have a, a particular theme you'd like to see us Great take on for one of these days, feel yeah. free to shoot us your ideas, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and we'll consider it. And if we have the, the proper attire, we'll, we'll all do it. I, I thought of one the other day, and that was uh, pro wrestling Oh, that'd day. be great. Pro wrestling day. Coming here in, in flare robes. Yes. Yeah. A little sparkle farkle, you know. Yeah. I think I still have my singlet from high school. Oh, the, please don't. <laughs> please don't do that. That's where we'll be glad we're on radio. <laughs> right. We don't want that on TV. <laughs> Speaking of TV, this is from Russ. He says, do you guys ever see the TV guys? Unfortunately, they bombard us every as, single as night. As little as we can, Russ. <laughs> yeah. 
No, they're right next door. They they knock on the door. They come in. They eat all our double stuff Oreos. They drink all our liquids. They a couple of them have donated to our pot to pay for all our stuff, our snacks and everything. But uh, this seems to be. Uh, this baseball, is the epicenter of the baseball box. baseball central right yeah. here in the radio booth. Pretty much, if they're not on the air, they're in here. Yeah, yeah. everybody wants to be in here, and, and I'm not just saying that tongue in cheek. I mean, our booth is the spot. I mean, this is where people come to hang out. So at some point, I mean, J Chad's got these magnets that have certain messages on them. One says recording. Might as well say, stay the hell out. Yes, right. <laughs> and he puts them outside when we have to get something done. Right. But other than that, they got a green light and they take advantage of it. And the funny thing is, as you said, the magnet says recording, do not enter. And that's on the door a couple times a day. And we honestly are recording, but it doesn't matter because they're coming in anyway. Yeah. yeah. They don't read. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's why they're on TV. Right. <laughs> got another one you want to fire away with, Joe? Yeah, I had one over here and this was... Uh, uh, asked of me personally, so I go to that. It's from uh, Paul, uh, who first of all he want to know what is everyone's favorite city or stadium to visit on road trips. So we, let's start there. Who? Uh, two jump out to me: San Diego and Chicago. Sh- Chicago because I know we'll have a day game or two, and I can get a really good dinner that night. I mean, you can just you can walk blindfolded through the streets of Chicago and walk into a really good restaurant. And then San Diego, especially if we have an off day, gorgeous city to go check out, go to the beach, that kind of thing. And uh, I like that ballpark a lot. Good choices. I would say my favorite stadium to go to is probably San Francisco. Uh, favorite city to go to, anywhere in California, anywhere in Florida, and then probably uh, Chicago. Okay. Mine is uh, mine's with you, J. Ted. I wish the AT&T Park or whatever it's called now in San Francisco, I wish it was in a different city <laughs> because uh, I'd love going to, the, to it a lot. It's a great yard. And my favorite town to visit is and has always been Boston. I love going to Fenway Park, and I love the history in Boston, and mm-hmm. uh, that's my favorite. But Paul had an alternate question, and it was for me about what I remember about pitching uh, in 1983, and do you remember who you struck out, and what do you think of the recent rules and rule proposals regarding position players pitching? Uh, I, I remember I had a lot of fun with it, Paul. I was excited about it because I hadn't played in about two weeks, so I was just happy to be on the field in any capacity. I struck out Spike Owen, who was with the Mariners, and he gave me the bat. I still have it, and he signed it to the nastiest lefty in the league. So (laughs) I still have that, and I still uh, am proud of that, and I had a real good time doing it. Uh, Regarding the rules for position players, I think maybe it's a little – uh, it was kind of loose in there, and I thought some managers were taking advantage of uh, opportunities to use a position player. I thought that they used them too much for a while. Hopefully, the crackdown will help. JC, you got a question you want to throw in there? Yeah, I, I like this one from John. What do you guys do during rain delays? <laughs> I'll go back to uh, uh, Russ's question. Try to stay away from the TV crew. Yeah, all right. Do that. But uh, we're fortunate. Uh, a lot of uh, broadcast booths have to stay and uh, give scores and recap things and just talk about baseball in general like we're doing right now during the rain delay, no matter how long it is. But we're fortunate because we have a studio. We can send uh, the broadcast back to guys like Kevin McAlpin and right. Chris Domino. Yeah, they, they handle it. And then we just wait around on the other end of when we see baseball again. I usually just watch the rain. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not much else to do. And eat. 
Yeah, and we eat a lot. We eat. The worst is when we get a rain delay and the team's on the road and we're here and, and it's you know, one of these moments where we're not traveling. It's one thing to be at the rain delay. At least you're there. Yeah. But it could be a beautiful night here in Atlanta. The team, for instance, when they were in Boston, we had, what, a three-hour rain delay? Yes. And this stadium was lights out. I mean, it was dark as it could be in here. And here we were just hanging out, waiting. And uh, I, I went out and made a phone call. I got uh, I ate a couple of times. I mean, just whatever right. you can do. Played some solitaire. Yeah, all right. It's not fun to be quite No, honest. it's not. And we've also had a couple times this season where the team's been on the road, and it's a beautiful day, but we're at Truist Park, and it's a monsoon. Yeah, that's true. We've been lucky that way. This is from Max, who says, love listening to you guys, even when the Phillies walk us off. Uh, long story short, I'm a college student, and my dream job is to do what you guys do for a living. Any advice on getting into the industry or any other general advice? And I, I know we could all probably throw in some advice for Max there on maybe what worked for us. For me personally, two things, Max. Number one, try to get into minor league baseball, whether it be an independent team, uh, a college summer league team, uh, something like that, and just get on the air. For me personally, it was say yes to everything. I broadcasted lots of things in college and even after college that I knew I had no interest in, but just needed to be on the air, getting repetitions down, feeling good about how I was sounding, things like that. So just say yes to everything. If you get asked to broadcast a, a swimming tournament, even if you don't know anything about swimming, say yes. Um, I, I, I've used this story a bunch. I, I broadcasted a uh, Christmas parade one year in Starkville, Mississippi, and it was, I'm mentioning each passing flight. It had to be horrible radio, but there are companies who, there are businesses there who paid to have uh, their advertisements played during the, the town's Christmas parade, and I did it. So I use that to aspiring young broadca- broadcasters, just get on the air as much as possible and keep saying yes to whatever opportunities you get. I was really surprised when you told me that story about the llama races, when you did the llama races and and how you knew each one of them personally. Uh, I was fortunate. I played. That helped because I I stepped into a role uh, to do analytical work because of my experience as a player. Uh, But I also did uh, about a half season of AAA baseball in Oklahoma City, too. So I kind of learned the ropes a little bit there. Uh, I'm not going to say paid my dues like you did, Ben, but uh, I did do some minor league baseball before uh, landing a big league job in Seattle. When did you know that you liked it and that you wanted to pursue it further? Actually, when I was playing. When I was playing and there weren't as many games on TV then, and um, there was a game of the week and there was a former player uh, well-known player who was like the analyst right and i remember seeing some games and he quite often would say you know like a ball that was hit between an outfielder and an infielder and they almost collide or something and he would describe it and say well here's what jonathan was thinking when he ran out there here's what ben was thinking when he was coming in you can't do that <laughs> you don't know what they were thinking right and i remember thinking that's so wrong i, I could do a better job and be more objective about it and without trying to act like I knew everything everybody was thinking. Yeah. That's what got me stirred up. How about you, JC? I would just say make yourself available in a variety of, ro- of ways. And as you said, don't say no. Uh, like you, uh, I had to pay my dues. And, you know, for a number of years, I wasn't doing what I ultimately wanted to do. But I had to work for a number of years uh, to get the opportunity to sit where I am now. Yeah, something told somebody told me this one time a long time ago, and it, it really doesn't matter what you're going into. 
whether it be this field or you're a player or you're in business or whatever it may be, most of the time the people who succeed are the people who don't quit. And uh, that goes such a long way. So no matter what you're doing, so long as you stay at it, don't quit, don't give up, uh, a lot of the times those are the people who ultimately succeed at whatever it is that, Absolutely. They, that they go into. We've got time for one more question before we wrap up this episode. Let's read this question from Vic here. It says, hey, Ben and Joe, hope you get some time for these questions. What do you do when you completely lose track of a thought or can't remember a saying while calling a game? How do you recover? Does this happen often? What are your thoughts also on substance issue for pitchers? And we've answered that last part uh, earlier, but um, I, I guess you do 162 games. You're going to be losing trains of thoughts here and there. It happens yeah. to everybody. Yeah, and more so when you get older. Trust me, Ben. <laughs> uh, thanks, Vic, for the question. And uh, sometimes what that does if uh, one of us can't quite remember who we were thinking of, it prompts uh, a little, maybe Jonathan is back there helping us out, looking up the instance or the whatever happened and try to look up the players. And that creates even more discussion and more conversation about uh, a a memory of that occurrence. So uh, it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of embarrassing sometimes when when you're trying to figure out uh, or you thought you knew who you were referring to and you then you can't get it out yeah the one that bothers me you'll get late in the game it could be a tight ball game lots of things are happening here's a pinch hitter here's a pinch runner here's this here's that and there might be a defense defensive substitution mid-inning that somehow falls through the cracks doesn't happen a lot especially with jc here Uh, we typically don't miss anything but when the team is on the road and we're not traveling and we're relying on monitors sometimes defensive changes will happen without us ever being alerted and you might have a let's say there's a runner at second base and a base hit to left field and you recognize the guy in left field coming up to throw to the plate isn't the guy you have written in your book right that you get a little bit of a panic there and you kind of shift from saying the guy's name to here's the throw out of left mm-hmm. or something something very yep. generic but those are the ones that drive me crazy because as much info as we have uh sometimes you might have something like that that will fall through the track uh, through the cracks and it might be sometimes that jc said it in my ear and i missed it i, I think of a play that happened what, two years ago when Charlie Culberson had that great play uh, against Jorge Alfaro, I want to say it was. Threw him out of the plate, mm-hmm. ended up being a double play in the ninth inning. Braves went on to win. And I had somehow missed that that Charlie was in left field. I had somebody else out there in left field. And as the play is happening, I'm having to stop saying one name and start the other. I was extremely embarrassed by that. But things like that happen. And when you call this many games, this many nights, uh, occasionally things will fall through the cracks and you just have to make an adjustment on the fly. We're also lucky, too, uh, with respect to uh, calling so many pitches that uh, we might be in a discussion talking about something. You lose track of the count. Yeah. We're lucky that at home, there's a big scoreboard up there that has the count up there or on the road with our monitors that we're using, uh, it will usually have the count, you know, on what they call a bug on the screen at the bottom of the screen where we can refer to that real quick if we lose track of the count. It's funny how you train your eyes really involuntarily yeah. to look to the same place in between each pitch. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'll call a pitch and my eyes before the next pitch go to the same place on the scoreboard every time. Sure. And that's the count and all that. And um, So yeah, that's a really good question by Vic. And, and one other piece of information, I'll go back to uh, Max's question about advice getting into the industry. You can't say the score enough. Make right. sure you oh, give yeah. the score. Don't, mm-hmm. don't go 
10, 12 minutes and not let your listeners know what's happened. Because that's the most important thing is letting people know what the score is. Then everything else kind of falls in line can't, after that. You can't say it enough. Yeah, good point. Well, guys, we're out of time for uh, Season 1, Episode 2. All right. From the Braves booth. Feel free to shoot us an email for next week, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Again, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and we'll get to more of your questions next week and talk more about this baseball club as we continue through the 2021 campaign. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thank you guys. For Jonathan Chadwick, for Joe Simpson, I'm Ben Ingram. We'll catch you next time on From the Braves Booth. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.